You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 822 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Tuesday evening into Wednesday, and thank you, as always, for joining us on the show. If you've missed it, in the recent past, we had a visit from Bill DeFilippo earlier in the week talking about the NBA playoffs, all kinds of stuff there. If you missed any of that, please go back and check it out. Prior to that, Zach Milner joined us for a two-part NBA draft podcast and all kinds of guests in the last couple of months as we lead up to the NBA draft to navigate this endless offseason etc, etc. But today, it's just me on the podcast. There's a little bit of news as well as some mailbag questions that I wanted to hit on later on in the show. And the first thing that came out on Tuesday evening was the NBA's all-rookie first and second teams from the past season. No huge surprises here. Honestly, the first team, John Morant, Kendrick Nunn, Brandon Clark, Zion Williamson, and Eric Paschal of the Warriors. Uh, Paschal was the only one that was uh, kind of up in the air there. The top four was basically a, a, a mortal lock the entire way with Morant, Nunn, Clark, and Zion. Um, Pascal edged Tyler Hero by one point, one voting point out of the 100 people voting. Uh, one one point got, got that actually uh, in Pascal's favor. Uh, the second team was Tyler Hero. Terrence Davis, Kobe White, P.J. Washington, and Rui Hachimura in that order. So if you're scoring at home, that is 10 players. That's all both of the first and second teams, and no members of the Atlanta Hawks made the cut this time around. Now, if you listen to this podcast previously, I did a lot of segments about this. I think two different ones about all-rookie chances for Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, and I basically concluded that neither one of them were likely to make the team, and if there was someone that was going to make the team out of the two of them, it was probably going to be Hunter. That was backed up with the voting. Uh, Hunter finished 14th in the voting, uh, but just for the record, 18 rookies received votes, and uh, this is not positionless. I mean, sorry, this is positionless, I, I should say. This is not position-driven in the way the All-NBA is. You're just basically voting for your top 10 rookies if you are on this list of voters, which I am not one of them, by the way. But uh, R.J. Barrett finished 11th, Matisse Teibel 12th, Darius Garland 13th, and then DeAndre Hunter finished 14th. Uh, just for the record, he got 11 second-place votes and zero first-place votes, so uh, pretty pretty far away from the top 10. Honestly, it was the top 12 with Barrett and Teibel being a little bit closer to the end of the second team and in a pretty big gap before you get to Garland and Hunter. Following Hunter was Michael Porter Jr., Jackson Hayes, Cam Johnson, and Cody Martin of the Hornets, meaning that Cam Reddish did not get a single vote. Um, so he was outside the top 18 of the guys who got votes here. I'm not terribly surprised by that. I will say uh, Reddish <laughs> might have been more deserving than guys like Cody Martin, who was okay this year, actually, but or even Michael Porter Jr., considering how little he played. With that said, I thought Hunter had the better case uh, sort of this season. That does not mean that I think Hunter's going to be a better player long-term, but he had the more consistent season. He played more, just more counting stats, all that stuff, more, all that stuff that you want to look for with regard to uh, all-rookie or all-NBA or all, this, um, all these voting kind of achievement awards, you know, just so, I've said this before, but I'll, I'll say it again now just for clarification. Any, any new listeners listening to the podcast, I still would draft both Reddish and Hunter in the top 10. That, they did not finish in the top 10 here among rookies, but frankly, I still would like to have both of them long-term over guys like Hachimura, over guys like P.J. Washington. Terrence Davis was really good this year and was certainly uh, had a better resume than those two, but long-term, I'd rather have both Reddish and Hunter. Uh, just keep all that stuff. Eric, Eric Paschal, same thing. So 
Um, this is not exactly a future-facing award. It's supposed to be about who, what, what happened this season. Hunter was uh, better on the whole. Reddish, if the season started later, um, would have been definitely in the mix if, the, if he did not have those first two disastrous months. So I said all this before, but I want to go ahead and say it again. Now, just catching uh, sort of final thoughts here. Hunter, 14th. Reddish, no votes. Uh, none of that is a huge surprise to me. I'm not outraged by it. I know Hawks fans will be upset by the lack of inclusion, especially about Reddish. But again, I've said this before, but the... the uh, profile and the resume for this year on the whole and what people are going to be voting for was not great for Reddish. We all know, as people have paid, paid close attention to the Hawks the whole way through, that he flashed quite a bit in the second half of the year. I was very high on his defense throughout the season. I thought it was very, very good. He just did not have that traditional profile of someone who got a lot of votes in this space. So there you go on that. And uh, yeah, awards-wise, it's probably going to be it for the Hawks. Nothing else in terms of uh, inclusions. People ask me that. I think I answered another question about that earlier in the offseason, about what was the best chance for the Hawks to get into the awards conversation. Uh, Trey Young, All-NBA, is still floating out there. But other than that, um, you know, no six-man, no, no most improved, uh, although Trey did uh, get some votes for that, etc. So the final hope is Trey Young getting on an All-NBA team, and we'll see if he ends up cracking that. Okay. After a quick break to hear from our sponsors, we'll talk about some mailbag questions, and I have a few to get to on today's podcast. But first, a word from the good folks at Rock Auto. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everyone, and they're always reliably low. Instead of changing prices in the way that, that the market dictates, like airlines often do, Rock Auto simply presents the lowest prices possible at all times. No matter what kind of car or truck you might have, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks, and they'll have it de- delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. Quickly see all the prices available for your car and choose the brands, the, spe- the specs, and the prices that you prefer. rockauto.com is for everyone. It does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and the same for pros and do it yourself. So why spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. From there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. And Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've said over and over again in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors. But now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and a personal favorite of mine with cookies and cream. Each bar is 100% covered in chocolate, and importantly, they are all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's crucial to know that Built Bars are fantastic for those who try to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for people on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and when you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, for $10 off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. All right, so in the spirit of all rookie discussion, had a uh, question come in from Will McGee, good friend of the podcast, and a uh, moderator over at Peachtree Hoops. Uh, he asks, what if DeAndre Hunter has a career similar to Marvin Williams? Would that be a success or a failure? I will say this. I wrote about Marvin last week, mentioned him on the podcast as well after he announced his retirement. And my thoughts on Marvin are well documented at this point. Um, I'm sure the people, though, that may not know all of them. So I'll do a brief summary here. There is a segment of the Hawks fan base that just can't or won't see past the fact that he was drafted so high. And I understand that to some degree. Of course, the Hawks should have drafted Chris Paul or even Darren Williams. I get all that. I promise I do. I was one of the people that was yelling about this 15 years ago. I promise when uh, Billy Knight centered on Marvin, despite the glaring hole at point guard, et cetera, et cetera. 
Beyond that, there are others that see Marvin as a bust. I get that too, to some degree, even if I disagree with it strongly. Um, it drives me crazy. I won't re- <laughs> sort of relitigate that now. But all I'll say is that Marvin was a quality role player 15 years. Honestly, that's a pretty impressive resume in a lot of ways. He started like 80% of his games, uh, contributed to playoff teams. He was never really bad. His cardinal sin is just not being not being Chris Paul, which is not his fault. It's Billy Knight's fault. So now to the question itself, uh, the short answer is that it would be a success. If you made me choose sex for failure for DeAndre Hunter to be Marvin Williams, I would tell you it's a success. Now that won't be a popular answer. I totally understand that in a lot of ways, but I'll go in a little bit deeper here. I've always liked DeAndre Hunter. I think that's pretty clear at this point. I had him as a top five guy in the draft last year before the draft actually happened. I didn't love the draft trade, but that's not, again, that's not about Hunter. It was about the value. I still like Hunter quite a bit. I've always, I always have. I still do buy him as a high level role player long-term. I think he, he could certainly be better than Marvin Williams in terms of his peak, especially, but in terms of overall career, it's a lot to ask for anybody to be around and contribute positively for 15, 15 years. And having that kind of full-blown career is not that easy to replicate. I will say that. Now, there's a lot I could dive into in terms of peak versus longevity and all that stuff, but Hunter being a quality starting level role player for a decade and a half can't possibly be a failure. I'll say that. Right now, it wouldn't be like a 100% outcome success grand slam, but it certainly wouldn't be a failure. Now, I get people wanted more star power at number four overall. I totally get that too. It's something that I have said over and over again that, um, you know, getting a starting caliber role player at four is a success. Now, it's not sexy. Hunter was never going to be sexy. That's something that I was really worried about coming in just for expectations sake was that people were going to see this top four pick and think star. And that's not, that's not what he's going to be. Uh, to be fair to DeAndre, you know, Marvin was supposed to be in a lot of ways, an upside swing for the Hawks. And that, that, that obviously did not happen, but he was a, a bench guy in college, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, supposed to be a super athlete. I think that was honestly part of the reason why Marvin got criticized locally and still does is that he was billed as a upside swing. Fortunately for DeAndre Hunter, he was not really billed that way. I think a lot of people, most people I would say, had reasonable-ish expectations for DeAndre Hunter as someone who was not going to be a star in the NBA. That probably helps him perception-wise. But all that said, I think, you know, the question itself the answer has to be that Hunter replicating Marvin's trajectory and overall impact of a career standpoint would have to be a success if you made me choose between success or failure. It's not a perfect one-to-one comparison by any means, but both guys, you know, top four picks, combo forwards. I totally get why the question was asked. It's actually a good one from Will. It's topical with Marvin retiring and all that stuff, but uh, that is my answer for now. I think it almost has to be a success, even if that's not necessarily a sexy answer. Okay, um, <laughs> one more I want to get to here. It's actually sort of a combined question that I got from several people. I was actually kind of surprised by the volume of questions that I got about this. Um, but the Ringer posted a mock draft this week, which had the Hawks taking Obi Toppin at number six overall with Killian Hayes, Anika Kongwu, Tyrese Halliburton, and Devin Vassell still available. Um, that is not a huge shock in that, you know, Toppin is a very popular player, all that stuff. I've discussed him quite a bit on the podcast, but as a refresher for anybody that's new to the show, I think the Toppin is a worthy top 10 pick in this draft. He is old. He was awesome in college. Um, he's not a perfect fit defensively for anyone, all that stuff. I don't love the fit in Atlanta. I am skeptical of the defense in a big way, but offensively, I've said this a million times now, but I'll say it again now. I think his offense is one of the safer things in the entire draft, if not the safest. I think he's going to be a good 
offensive player in the NBA. Now, there are degrees to that. Um, whether, he'll, whether he'll be a star in the NBA offensively is a different succession point, but I would be stunned if Toppin was not a good offensive player in the league. Okay. As for the mock draft itself, there were a couple things that uh, that were written in that mock by the Ringer that I disagree with, and uh, you know, the Ringer and the Hawks fan base have a difficult relationship. Uh, I w- I've been critical of Bill Simmons in particular for some of his ridiculous takes uh, in my in my mind in the past. They also kind of went in on Troy Young in a pretty irresponsible way early on in his career. All that's all that to say. This is uh, independent of that. Um, this is written by Kevin, O'Con- Kevin O'Connor. I have no beef with Kevin whatsoever. In fact, I'm trying to get Kevin on the podcast at some point. Hopefully, that's going to happen. But um, with regard to the mock draft. Um, one of the things that was written was the notion that Trey Young, quote, needs another athletic lob threat, end quote, when that really isn't a weakness of the Hawks at this moment. They have Collins and Capella, who are two of the better guys in that genre in the entire league. Frankly, they don't really need that player. Um, my a take that I've given several times is that it would make a lot more sense to me to draft Obi Toppin or even consider drafting Obi Toppin if John Collins was not on the team. But because he is on the team, I don't really understand why the Hawks would do that anyway. Uh, the bigger issue, though, beyond that one, was that the, the mock cited, and I'm, I'm going to quote now, multiple scouts and executives, end quote, projecting Toppin as a wing on defense, and there was a comparison to Kyle Kuzma on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I frankly don't see the wing defense thing really at all. Uh, Toppin is a good is a good athlete, especially vertically. He's a, he's a good leaper. Obviously, had a bunch of dunks of highlight variety in college at Dayton, but uh, defensively. He's not going to be great regardless, I think. I mean, there's definitely some schools of thought out there from some people that I trust and that Toppin could be uh, non-disastrous defensively in the NBA. I am on the lower end of that. I think he's going to be pretty bad, frankly, if it's my projection. But his defensive issues would only be magnified if you asked him to play the wing defensively. Um, perhaps his worst defensive attribute is that he really can't slide laterally. And uh, his hip's pretty stiff. He's pretty upright defensively. He kind of has this weird thing with his back and the way that he uh, attempts to move defensively and slides and gets into a a stance. All that is really quite bad against wings, especially. Um, One of the bigger concerns about Toppin's big man defense is that if you're playing him in pick and roll coverage, there's not a lot you can do with Toppin in that way. And part of that is because he really can't defend out on the floor. Now, is that fixable? Sure it is. He is a good athlete. Maybe you get him uh, some good training, figure out the best way to maximize him. But it's definitely a question mark at this point in time. I, I just can't see him projecting as a wing defender. That kind of just blows my mind, honestly. But I do believe that Kevin was told that by some scouts and executives. I just don't, I just don't agree with it whatsoever. I think it's pretty silly to uh, say that. Now, in terms of the Kuzma thing, um, you know, <laughs> Kuzma's a, d- a defender that's been pretty bad in his career. He has been notably better so far in the bubble and in the playoffs with the Lakers. I'm not buying that all the way through, but it certainly is true that he, ha- that he has been better defensively. They are similar size. I think Toppin is a little bit bigger, stronger. Um, but Kuzma is someone who's probably a power forward in the NBA that's been playing the three at times, but he's, I think he's definitely a four. Toppin, I think, is also a four, but he's closer to a five than a three for me, especially especially on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I would say this. It's not a good data point to be compared to Kyle Kuzma defensively. Now, it could be better in that Kuzma has shown a lot more, but he's not super young. I can't imagine Kuzma being a huge plus defensively now, and uh, I would not say that's a huge uh, <laughs> positive check mark in terms of his defensive profile. So the mock did acknowledge that it would be, quote, a risky pick, end quote, for Atlanta. I would agree with that, to be sure. It's not one that I would make. Uh, I would not cross Toppin off, necessarily. He's been on my list that I've talked about on this podcast about guys that the Hawks should at least consider. He was on the list that I wrote for PeacheTroops.com after the lottery. Um, Toppin is on the list. 
he would not be a guy that I drafted at six. I've said that before. I'll say it again now. If, if I'm the Hawks, he's not someone that I would personally pick. Could I defend it? Sure. I, I think he is very talented. Again, his offense is pretty intriguing. If you don't, if you buy his defense, it's a lot easier to buy. I don't I don't really buy his defense, but if a team did, I would sort of understand it in some in some respects. But Atlanta's construction, if they were going to trade John Collins, I would understand it more. But even if they did that, I still wouldn't draft Toppin at six. I would just understand it more. I'd be a little bit closer um, on, on behalf of all that. So. I thought it was pretty funny, honestly, that I got so much unsolicited reaction. In fact, I didn't see this mock draft until I had already three different people reach out to me to send me the link to it or quotes from it, and it only continued from there. So not every mock draft gets the kind of response in my uh, DMs or on Twitter or on my email or text, but uh, that one uh, drew some interesting reactions, so I wanted to go ahead and touch on it here. I had a couple of qu- a couple more mail- uh, mailbag questions to get to, but I'm going to hold off on them for now on this midweek podcast. I have some plans for later on in the week, but here we go on that. I never want to advertise stuff until it actually happens, but hopefully some good stuff ahead on the show. For the record, I am recording this podcast during Game 7 between the Clippers and the Nuggets. I don't know what's going to happen there, but... The uh, game one between Celtics and the Heat was really entertaining. That Bam Adebayo block at the end of the game was absolutely magnificent. Uh, I thought Tyler Hero was very good. Goran Dragic was very good. Jimmy made some plays on the stretch. Boston needs more from Kemba Walker. I have all kinds of thoughts. By the way, Brad, Brad, shots to Brad, Brad Wanamaker, who was really good in that game. But I had a lot of fun covering that one for Dime, so I wrote a little thing about that. But uh, yeah, people have asked. We're going to have some more playoff talk on the podcast. If you like that, You'll definitely enjoy more of it. If not, my apologies, but I'm trying to get you guys four or five shows a week, and uh, it's tough to do that just on the Hawks right now. So between that and really enjoying talking about the NBA playoffs and writing about them for Dime and covering them, I have some thoughts and I have some guests to come on and talk about them. So uh, hopefully you guys can just download it and (laughs) download, please. If you're not going to listen to the show, I understand it to some degree, but go ahead and download for me. I really appreciate all of that. Last thing here, I did a crossover visit with Locked On Orioles. Yes, on the baseball front on Monday night because the Braves were playing them. Uh, talked about that. That was a fun show, a little visit. I thought it was a good time to plug that on this cross-network promotional kick that we're on here at Locked On. And also, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. Catch up with our latest shows, as, as I mentioned before, with Bill, with Robbie, with Zach Milner, Zach Hood, uh, all kinds of people that have visited the podcast in the last few weeks. A lot of quality content to catch up on. If you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. We'll be back on, we'll be back on later in the week, so stay tuned for all of that.